Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always. With me today in studio, we have the other half. Oh. The other third. Uh, the other third. The other third of the of the. Uh, I guess you guys are halves of uh, the co-host. Yeah. But whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. So Ricardo's in the building today. Brandon is uh, MIA. Yeah. Thank you for welcoming me here today. It's Welcome great. back. Yep. Welcome back. It's good to have you here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know another week, it's, man. Just... We're into fall golly this is not yeah not happy with this weather situation ricardo it's too wet yeah but we need it too gray too we cold. need we need it we need it so that we can enjoy those wonderful summers and springs here in the northwest but. anyway now that you got our uh, northwest weather report um if you could like rate review share this podcast we would really appreciate that and like the weather and like yeah <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so, Ricardo, this week, um, you had sent me a an article uh, a few weeks ago out of the New Yorker. Um, I think, actually, when I emailed the doctor, I said it was from the New York Times. I was like, I read you the article about yeah. your study in the New York Times. And then I, when I read back the article, I was like, shit, this is the New Yorker. Uh I guess innocent mistake. Well, everything but. east of the Mississippi is New York, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's the it's the West Coast bias, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, we yeah. So uh, this doctor had done a study, a very interesting study about um, sleep, like REM sleep, and how it can um, basically create neural pathways, and that you know for so long, for thousands and thousands of years, Western medicine has looked at dreams as if it was like a your brain communicating with your body and like your body kind of you know when you have these twitches and and movements during sleep that you're acting out these um kind of memories or uh you know it's your brain telling your body what to do when he realized at some point in the last 20 years that it's actually your body communicating with your your brain. brain yeah and maybe, you know, because infants in the womb spend up to 20 hours a day in REM sleep. They think that, um, you know, when a baby's kicking, um, that it's actually, they're in REM sleep and it's their body kind of twitching. And they think that it's, you know, Dr. Blumberg thinks that it's the body mapping out to the brain how everything, the kind of the, just, yeah, like the roadmap of what the body looks like. Yep. So, um, yeah, and I found it really fascinating because when I read the article, um, I wasn't really expecting, you know, to tie it to um, spinal cord injuries. But I just remember that you twitch once in a while. And I was thinking, oh, wow, I wonder if people with spinal cord injuries are trying to reconnect to their brains. Yeah. And And so, you know, make those pathways reconnect again. Right. And he kind of said, that's not what, you know, it's not what it is, but, um, and yeah. And like the twitches that, uh, but I'm not a doctor. I only play one on a podcast. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, and the muscle spasms that we deal with, um, from, you know, the spinal cord injury. Yeah. They're not the same as the twitching, but you know, we also kind of talked about AI and how that, um, because uh, there's also in this article, in this New Yorker article, uh, there is a 
they also speak about robots and how like these robots that were sent to Mars um, can essentially like if you get caught in a or they sorry they designed robots that could go to Mars that if they got caught in a rock slide or something like that um, they wouldn't be they, permanently disabled they would right. relearn right they could relearn they yeah. if like their left if like the left front leg of this robot got ripped off they could recalibrate figure out how to move efficiently without that uh, front left leg so yeah um and we're, so we were talking about that as well about ai and how that could could impact uh you know maybe like in connection with a neural link or or some kind of epidural stimulation on teaching your body how to kind of re recreate these uh neural pathways so and where is he from again university of iowa yeah and so i was made this weird connection on the way down here this morning i was wondering if he ever spent time in the field of dreams which is in iowa i don't know i should have asked him <laughs> yeah so that would be interesting to know but yeah that's uh that's what <laughs> something in iowa i guess yeah Mm-hmm. So, so very other. fitting, very fitting. Yeah. I, I think what was really interesting to me, the part of your discussion, um, and I don't want to take it away from anybody, but um, is, you know, as people get older, you know, we've always talked about this on the podcast that, you know, you may need, you know, help. You may end up becoming disabled because of, you know, muscular dystrophy or what have you, right? Or Parkinson or, or stroke. Yeah, we talked about Yeah, and so he was talking about his strokes, his stroke study. And... Um, Sign me up right now. If there was a form out there that said, hey, if I ever have a stroke, call these guys, put me on it. You know, kind of like a, you know. Yeah, because he said, you know, the, they're trying to, to kind of implement part of their study with stroke patients. But it's hard to, you know, when people are going through this huge trauma, trauma that it's, you know, you're not always like, hey, yeah, sign me up. Let me be studied by these guys. Yeah. And just like so. with spinal cord injuries, it's right after the injury, which is most important time to act. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. And you don't want to lose that window. I guess that was golden hours. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get to this interview with dr mark blumberg and uh we will come back and talk to you guys on the other side all right sounds good jeremy all right today's guest on the live to walk again podcast is dr mark blumberg who is the chair of the department of psychological and brain sciences at the university of iowa and he's been studying sensory motor development and sleep for over 20 years. Uh, Dr. Blumberg, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah, great, great. I'm so, so excited for this. Uh, I read and I actually was uh, forwarded an article from The New Yorker uh, by one of my co-hosts, Ricardo, about uh, that was titled, What Are Dreams For? Uh, and it kind of, you know, it was, it, the article's amazing. Um, you know, it kind of... It, really digs into your study um, on on REM sleep and kind of the connections that our brain and our body makes during that. So, you know, can you de- describe to us like what what is REM sleep, first of all, and then um, kind of what where the study is going and and what what you guys have been working on? 
Sure. Um, so, you know, sleep is divided into two broad stages. REM sleep is one of them. The other one is called non-REM sleep. They each have a lot of other different names. So REM sleep is also called active sleep, desynchronized sleep, paradoxical sleep, uh, lots of different names for it. Um, it's the it's the it's the area time of sleep when that are that's marked by a variety of very phasic act what we call phasic activities like the rapid eye movements themselves that give the state its name the twitches that I've been studying of the across the limbs you know and 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 eye the rapid eye movements are themselves twitches of the eyes um, mice cats dogs rats their whiskers twitch a lot so we see twitching in a variety of different um, ways across different species. Uh, brain activity looks like it's wake-like, you know, it's, it has a certain, you know, it has a wake quality to it. Um, and you're paralyzed really during that stage of sleep in the sense that you have active inhibition of the muscles in the spinal cord. And so you end up basically having a limp limb, even as you might have twitches that are occurring simultaneously. And it's actually called, you know, it's, 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 it's called muscle atonia, but it's an active, it's not just that you are turning down the muscle, muscle activity in your limbs, it's that you're actively inhibiting it. And so there are some disorders where that active inhibition can be lost and you end up with things that are called REM behavior disorder and things like that. But, um, but that's, the, that's what REM sleep is. And the other form of sleep is, is uh, it has a lot of different characteristics about it. And these two stages you know, go back and forth across the night in humans uh, in a cycle, so. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, the article kind of talks about how, I guess, um, we <clears throat> didn't realize um, or, you know, that, that babies moving in the womb are that these twitches are not necessarily them dreaming and, and, and seeing things in their dreams. It's actually, um, and it was thought that the, the kind of the brain was controlling the body during that time, but it's, you figured out that it actually may be the absolute opposite and that it's the, the body letting the brain know how to map itself out. Um, you, you describe that. I know I'm probably butchering. How <laughs> no, that it's, that's pretty, that's good. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, these are complicated ideas. So let's start with, um, let's start with what twitches are, you know, they're, they've, They've been noticed forever. Anybody who has a baby or a cat or a dog or whatever has noticed that when they're asleep, they, you know, they twitch. And, you know, the old, there's an old wives tale that says, you know, what is, what is Fido dreaming about? Oh, he's chasing rabbits in his dreams. So another word, you know, I gave you all these names for REM sleep. Another name for REM sleep is dream sleep, but that's not really accurate because we dream in both stages of sleep. And the dreams that occur during REM sleep tend to be the more bizarre strange like how the hell did that happen kinds of dreams that that you have and um and you'll often dream you know a lot of people report during REM sleep dreams that they are trying to move but they can't and that might be somehow related to the to this sort of inhibition of the muscles that you have during REM sleep okay so that's so twitches are a product of the brain stem. So it's it's part of the basic mechanism, the, the neural mechanisms that produce REM sleep. And they cause these very discrete movements in the in the in the body. So for, for literally for thousands of years, we, meaning mostly Western civilization, has thought of twitches as being a manifestation of dreams. So you're if you're dreaming of movement, you will have a twitch, but because you're paralyzed, 
you're that is in the sense that you're being inhibited different from the sorts of paralysis that I think you and many of your listeners are, are thinking about, but it's the same word applied to this this area, this time of sleep. You know, you're you're un, these these sort of movements leak through this inhibition and cause these little discrete movements. So so by that idea, the twitches are a an imperfect shadowy manifestation of a dream. But if you think about it, when we we have when REM sleep happens the most when we're young. So that is the time when we have the, the disproportionately the most amount of, of REM sleep. We we have about eight hours of REM sleep when we're born, about eight hours of non-REM sleep, and eight hours of waking. And you contrast that with when we're adults, when we might have about two hours of REM sleep and six hours of non-REM sleep for a total of one third of your day. So two thirds to one third with a huge disproportionate amount of REM sleep when we're born. So the question became, you know, well, why do we have all this REM sleep when we're born? What's it doing? And, and this is this thing by say, by when I say born, I mean both before we're born in the embryo and then for, for several, for several months or even years afterwards. So so this disproportionality aspect led to the idea that REM sleep must have something to do with brain development, body development. And so I've been studying these movements when they occur in early life in humans and in, in rats and mice. And what you see is that they're twitching like crazy. I mean, it's so much twitching that, you know, you might wonder that, oh my God, they must be dreaming a lot or something, you know? So they're just, it's just an incredible amount. It's like popcorn. That's how much it it looks like it. and you you know if, if dreams were a if dreams were a byproduct i'm sorry if twitches were a byproduct of dreams that's a that's a lot of byproduct and, and that's a lot of muscle activity um so when you dive in when we started diving in and looking more closely at what was going on it turned out there was a whole world of stuff going on with these twitches first of all they have particularly they have certain patterns of activity second when they twitch there's a every time the limb moves, there's an enormous amount of brain activity that flows through the brainstem and all the way up to the cortex and what cortex and whatever. All right, so that's one aspect of what we found. But when people think about dreams, when I say people, I mean when most neuroscientists and you know psychologists think about dreams, they think about it as a high-level cortical activity. And they often think about the twitches then as being a product. If you're thinking about the twitches as a byproduct of dreams, then that would suggest it's a byproduct of the cortex. But we knew through experiments that we did that if you take the cortex completely out of the picture, it has no effect whatsoever on the production of twitches. So twitches cannot be produced by the cortex and therefore, by extension, not a product of dreams. So where is it coming from? Well, as I said, it comes from the brainstem. And the byproduct and the, and the sensory feedback from twitches is enormous into the brain. So it leads to the possibility that it's not that the cortex is dreaming and producing twitches, but that the brainstem is producing twitches, which is causing a change in, the, in how the brain is processing that movement, giving rise to certain aspects of dreams. So why would we know this? How would we know? We, well, we can't disprove that that the dreams are not causing something, but we can prove that if I manipulate you while you're dreaming, that I can manipulate the types of dreams you have. So for example, if you're asleep and I dribble water on your forehead, there's a very high likelihood you will incorporate water into your dreams. So we know you can affect the dreams that way. So it seems it's also then possible that when you're twitching, 
especially if you're having violent twitches or things like that, that could influence the quality of the dreams that you have. So, in, so this is what you, when you said it reverses the causality. Now that's not to say that all dreams are produced or, or related to twitches, but it does suggest that twitches are impacting the nature of our, of our, of the dreams that we're having while we're asleep. So that's the overview of, of what we're, what we're doing, but what we're really trying to understand that is what are twitches doing in the construction of the relationship between the brain and the body. Right. Okay. And so um, I think in the article, it, it mentioned that um, like human babies in the womb are in REM sleep for up to 20 hours a day. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. so that, that mapping that's going on and it, did you find that that's happening in, and I don't know how you're even able to, to gauge this, but in other animals, and I don't know if it's specifically mammals or um, all animals that kind of go into this REM sleep to, to map their bodies out, do they all as well um, have like before they're actually like physically born um, have these, these uh, twitches as well? They do. And, you know, I, I... I wrote a book about 12 years ago called, um, maybe more than that now, 13, 14 years ago, called um, Freaks of, Freak, it was called Freaks of Nature, What Anomalies Tell Us About Development and Evolution. And in that book, what I was trying to argue for was the idea, well, I, I, in general, you know, as a developmentalist, I'm trying to get folks to appreciate how, how much potential there is in a developing organism to accommodate all kinds of differences in, in bodies. And, um, and you know, the most compelling examples that I have are videos of individuals who are born without arms, born without legs, and how they compensate by using the limbs that they have in these remarkable ways. So I have you know videos of a of a of a man who was born without arms who can use his feet to pick up a cigarette and flick a, a lighter with his big toe and basically smoke with the other foot playing piano with their feet, typing with their feet, shuffling cards with their feet. Now these are not, and I have, I have other videos of dogs, for example, a dog that was born without its hind legs running grace, gracefully on a beach. I mean, just incredible amounts of dexterity and, and even athleticism. So what that tells us is, is that, that it's not as if like there's a gene for how many limbs you're supposed to have or a gene for, and that the whole body is built around that genetic. There are no genetic blueprints for how we work. We have to learn with the body we have, not necessarily with the body we were supposed to have. And I believe that that was the quote that she used in the, in the, in the article in the New Yorker. Yeah. So, so we have to learn about our body. Now, how do you do that when you're a, basically uh, you're in the womb or if you're a rat pup and you're blind and you're deaf and you're you're just developing in a nest you have no idea what kind of what your body can do so the idea is that is that twitches because they're sent out as single pulses to the body it's a way of forming of figuring out like like think of a submarine sending out a sonar pulse into the into the deep blue sea you know you send out this pulse and you get back an echo and it tells you something about what's out there except in this case, it's about our whole body. So the brain is sending out signals to its muscles and the muscles are saying, this is what happened. And you're learning from that interaction and you're building the sensory motor system that way. So that's, that's the basic idea. And that's why you can have all this extreme plasticity with people born with, with, you know, with atypical bodies and have them still function 
in ways that we we could not do if we had, let's say, lost our legs as adults. We can't do what these hand walkers can do. Or if our arm were born without legs, arms, I'm I'm a hundred percent certain I will never learn to to uh, shuffle a deck of cards with my toes, for example. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm and I doubt anybody else could imagine doing that. Right. So I think you know, for you, you know, and 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 you know, just thinking about like what the body does and how it relates to the brain, that's the developmental context that's being developed. And that's, that's what gets me going in terms of trying to understand all the amazing things that, you know, bodies and brains are able to do. Right, right. Um, you know, do you think that there, is there a way to induce REM sleep? And if there was, um, with somebody that's dealing with a, a spinal cord injury or somebody that's dealing with a stroke or, or any of these different things that kind of affect your body and your brain uh, connection, would there be a way to, to induce that first of all, and then to, I guess, um, make these connections, reroute these connections, maybe something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic question and, a, and something that I've, and then my colleagues and I have given a lot of thought to. We actually have a project going <clears throat> with stroke patients now, but this is very difficult work to do, as you can imagine, because 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 I think you know sort of sort of the, at a at a broad level, here's what's what I think is possible, and that is that is that when you have injury and when you have you know like stroke or spinal cord injury and things like that, the body one possibility is that the body is able to move into a new state where it can start to take advantage of the things that it used in development. But now in this adult recovery context to provide some kind of, of recovery. Now, that recovery takes place in a variety of, as you know, in a variety of different ways, depending on the severity of the injury and everything else. And so the amazing thing is, is that nobody's looked at this before. So one thing that understanding development helps us understand anyway, but I mean, by looking at development, what it helps us do is think about then what are the principles, not only for development, but how then do you create recovery situations? Because we know it works in a developing organism. How can we take advantage of that, right? How can we induce some of these REM sleep phenomena in a way to enhance recovery or promote recovery that wouldn't otherwise happen? So it suggests that maybe sleep is super important after these sorts of things, but we don't have any information that I've, that, and that's what we've been trying to get, but it's really difficult uh, work to do. But I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, so can we induce REM sleep? We can do several things to make things better. One is, of course, is to put people in environments where sleep is possible, right? You know, we don't know if it's going to make a difference, but my gut tells me that, that, that allowing the body to do what it can do is, is better than say, and I mean, and I say this, like, Hospitals are not always conducive to good sleep when you're recovering. I think anybody who's been in a hospital knows that. Absolutely. People are coming, right? So they're coming in, they're bugging you, they're doing IV, you know, they're doing all sorts of things, and they're they're right. That's one thing. The other thing is 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 that is the are you comfortable? Are you able to sleep? And that sort of thing. But the bigger picture you're asking is, can we make it so that you have more of it than you otherwise would? And um, you know, there's a scene in. Um, in uh, Avatar, 
remember, I think it's an avatar where they're like, they have a guy in a tank and he's recovering from an injury. And that's sort of like, you could actually see he's twitching. And I thought that was fascinating. I don't know why that was happening, but the, the only way that I could imagine being able to do this would be to have some kind of deep brain stimulation. And the only way to do that, that was not even possible several years ago, but the, the best way that that could happen is that there are some ultrasound uh, mechanisms that are available. So you can use ultrasound not only to record uh, from deep structures, but you can use it to induce activity in deep structures, including brain, you know, neurons in the brain. And, and that is starting to become a technology that I could imagine might be able to be used you know, it, it needs some collaboration with the brain itself because, you know, not, not every time stimulation causes what you want it to do, but maybe there'd be a way to induce these sorts of activity profiles and maybe enhance recovery. Very fanciful right now, but, uh, but it's still a dream, I think. Yeah, no, that, is fascinating. that is fascinating. Um, I was wondering, so obviously people with dealing with spinal cord injuries and I'm assuming probably strokes as well. We deal with muscle spasms, um, involuntary muscle spasms that I'm that are not, I'm pretty sure the same as these twitches. Um, but you know, if, so you had the study area in the article, it talks about the, the, you showing the video to the author and the, the, um, rat, uh, pups hand or a paw, twitching and then showing the the movement in the brain or the activity in the brain and kind of it, it getting music put to it almost um mm -hmm. would there be i know we covered on the show a while back um an article basically you know because the spinal cord injury is a bunch of little fibers and things like that and it's connecting things back to the correct location is the the problem right um for the most part and so you know, they have this RNA technology that they were able to use in this this study that we had read about um, and covered on the show where they think they can map it out to, to reconnect these fibers to the correct location so that, you know, you try to move your thumb and you're not moving your big toe or something like that. But um, right. would that be something that you guys could map out with that same technology um, kind of where you know, your, your muscle spasms in your leg and like, Oh, it fires off in this part of your brain. Like we need to reconnect to this location or, or whatnot. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Hopefully that makes sense to you what I'm, what I'm asking, but um, would that be something that, that could, could work in, in that way as of, of mapping out kind of like where the spinal cord is sending signals to. Yeah. I mean, the answer is, I don't know. I'm not aware of that particular technology. The, the, it is true though. I mean, so what we think is going on during sleep is that you are in fact trying to figure out the right connections to the right parts of the body or the right parts of the brain to the right parts of the brain. I mean, it's all part of a big mix of getting the targets right. Um, so here, the challenge is several fold I, as I understand it. The first is, is, is when connections are made, you know, there can be a loss in the ability to change those connections. So you need to have a way to undo the, the stability that develops in, in neural systems when they've established connections. And there are people who are trying to understand how can you, how can you recreate plasticity and then use that to basically open the system up to being changed and then impose some kind of a force, you know, activity or whatnot 
to then get things to be wired correctly. That's the that's what you need to do. So it's a it's a multi-stage process, you know, opening plasticity and then creating the final product that you want. It's in the second part that I think that we that we think that twitches can play that sort of a role. Um, and you know, there is evidence, for example, it was done in rats, but it was but it it worked where they were able to um, they gave a stroke basically on one side of the brain, and then they used electrical stimulation on the other side of the brain, but discrete electrical simulation. So sort of like a twitch where they stimulated very discreetly over time and were able to get higher functionality, you know, in the, in the limb that was still, that was not on the stroke side. So it was, it was, it was a way to, to basically recreate some aspects of that, of that in an adult in an adult animal. So that's what's really cool about that. Um, those are the sorts of things that we need to get to, right? In order to um, in order to make progress here. I mean, of course, there are lots of other technologies, brain machine interfaces and things like that uh, to get around the damage of the spinal cord or what have you. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of these incredible videos of these uh, new studies that are coming out that are incredibly, um, you know, hopeful for uh, for these sorts of recoveries. But um, so I think there are a lot of things that have to happen. The brain machine interface side of life, those folks are completely disconnected from the sleep side. Right. So basically those things are not functioning when they're when the when the patient is asleep. And so I could imagine that one way for them to make those things work better is to incorporate sleep ideas into this and, and that would help to maybe enhance some of the functionality that they're getting. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about as well. In the article, um, the author talks about uh, uh, some roboticists that are working with that were working with NASA to create um, a, a robot that could basically use these twitches to figure out if it got caught in a land in a rock slide or something on Mars that it you know like we need to the, the it's missing the the front left leg so we need to to you know use the twitches yeah. to figure out like how to how to move differently or whatnot um and i was wondering if that was something that you think like you mentioned with the brain machine brain machine interfaces or um epidural stimulation things like that um even like Neuralink. uh i don't know how familiar you are you are with that the, the elon musk project mm -hmm. but um you know could these things like maybe combined with you know, AI or something like that, start mapping back out. And obviously this isn't your, your point of expertise, obviously with the spinal cord injuries side of things, but um, that could, could, you know, that, that the artificial intelligence could actually like while you're sleeping kind of map out where you need to move and the, these different things. Well, I think it could, I mean, so, I mean, I, I wrote a review, I'm, you're right. I'm not an expert on this, but I did write, that didn't stop me from writing a paper about, about how the, uh, about how, you know, these, the neuroprosthetics, you know, as they're called, um, how they are, are there, there, there are several issues that I see that, that are going to limit, I think, some of the progress that will be made. One is that it's focused almost entirely on the cerebral cortex when the whole brain has to get involved at some point. So I mean, the whole idea of a brain machine interface, the way it's currently done, is it basically bypasses the rest of the the brain it's it's all from the cortex and then down to muscle fantastic and having way better outcomes than that i guess you know that have happened in the past but still a little bit of a, a limitation and then i think the other one is that it's just not 
taking advantage of what we know about biology across the whole day, including, including sleep. So I think in order to get the full effect of a neuroprosthetic, eventually they're going to want to have the whole brain involved because that's what happens in early development. You know, when you're developing, you're, you're actually building from the brainstem through the midbrain, through the subcortical structures right below the cortex, and then the cortex. So it's, it's a whole, it's all of a piece. And that sense that you have of an embodied neuroprosthetic, I mean, of an embodied limb, to recreate that in a neuroprosthetic will require the incorporation of the entire nervous system, as, at least as much as, as possible. Um, so, but that's sort of not the first step, obviously. The first step is to see functionality, which they are making, of course, great, great progress with. Yeah, we definitely, you know, on the show, we kind of always uh, talk about how it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be one thing, one specific thing that's going to, to find, be a cure for this. It's going to have to be a combination of different technologies and, and uh, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I think, I think that uh, your study seems like a, a real, real eye opener as far as this, um, the, this twitching and the way to kind of map out your body's movement seems amazing. But um, I'm wondering. So can I say, oh, okay. Sorry. I was going to say one more thing about the robotics, you know, because the, the, you mentioned the art, you know, the part of the article referring to a, a Josh Baumgard's work. That's the, the sort of thinking about twitches as a almost like a form of exploration, a way to discover new solutions that you may be blocked off. And so twitching helps you get out of habits that are not so good. I also have other colleagues who who did some really nice work with robot with robots where they they actually recreated twitching in robots. So they used twitching to say like, if I there are, two op there are two possibilities with a robot. I can program it to do exactly what I want, or I can let the robot learn about its body in a, a developmentally sound way using twitches, for example. So they had that. And then what they would do is, is they would manipulate the limbs after they had learned how to walk, after these two different robots learned how to walk. And the, the robot, the, just the important part is that the robot who learned how to move via twitching was much more adaptable after a manipulation was made to one of its limbs. So it was much more quick and much more adaptable when it came to picking up a new motor gate and adapting to that change. Whereas the one that was programmed to work in a particular way was less, less adaptable. And I think that's an important lesson for thinking about how to incorporate robotics and computational stuff into these sorts of you know, um, rehabilitation types of situations. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, so you could like actually teaching it new things, it might pick those up faster than what it was originally uh, yep. geared for. That's that. Yeah, that's, that's very fascinating. Um, you know, you, you had mentioned that um, you, you're, you have a, a study going on with um, stroke patients. Like where, where does the, where does the, the study that you know, where does everything kind of go from here? Like what's, what's next for your lab, for your, um, for kind of continuing on this, this study with the stroke patients, things like that. Like where, where are you guys moving from here? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. You know, so on the one hand, you know, I've got my animal lab where we're still trying to understand basic mechanisms of, of sleep and development. Uh, we have a project in the neonatal intensive care unit here at the university of Iowa. We have a, a wonderful NICU set up and, so we're studying sleep in very premature, you know, infants, just, you know, um, you know, they're tiny, but they're sleeping a lot. 
and uh, the, and because premature infants um, can be more prone to a variety of disorders, it makes sense to try to understand how their sleep, you know, what is their sleep like in that environment? Uh, what are their twitches like? How do, are they developing normally with respect to sleep? Is the environment of the NICU itself problematic for the expression of sleep? So all of these things are important for, for that. The stroke studies are really, really hard. It's hard to get people to, I mean, to, I mean, to want to be in a study when they're going through a life trauma. And what we need, you know, you asked where we're going. We need to move to um, much less invasive ways of monitoring people's sleep and movements while they're in stroke. So our hypothesis was that when somebody has, say, a unilateral cortical stroke, that we would start to see or be able to predict the recovery based upon the what their sleep looked like at the immediate post-stroke period. And there's reasons to believe that it, there could be something very important going on there based on studies that have been done in, in, in non, you know, in regular just um, uh, folks who are just subjects in studies, you know, and understanding how sleep and learning are related to one another. And so our idea was is that, that you could pick up on interesting phenomena in stroke, immediately after stroke, and during those early first days of recovery, and, and also see what their sleep, what's happening in their sleep. It's extremely difficult to do this work. People are, you know, not surprisingly, are not the last thing they want is somebody asking them to be in a study like that. And but that's the critical time, you know. So how do you get people? How do you how do you how do you get them into a study? How do you make it so so easy to monitor that it that they they consent? you know, to being, to being examined, uh, you know, and observed in that very vulnerable period, that's a challenge. Um, and it's, uh, that, that needs to be overcome for, for the stroke studies. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine, uh, that, speaking of the, um, premature baby, uh, in the NICU study like that, my, I have a niece and nephew that, um, were twins, they're twins and they were, very premature so i'd be i i can't wait to hear hear about that one um you know is there a way dr blumberg uh for us to follow along with like does your your lab have a twitter account or anything that we can follow along with yeah um well i have a twitter account at uh, mark underscore ask has underscore blumberg um on twitter and um and we have a blumberg lab um account on twitter as well um and we have a website, you know, where we show all of our papers and and report news and things like that. So um, all on the University of Iowa uh, website. So anybody, if anybody Google's my name, Blumberg and, and psychology in Iowa, they'll, they'll find it right away. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Blumberg, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little glimpse into into sleep and and REM sleep and how the body kind of maps itself out and then you know how that might eventually be a, a positive for spinal cord injuries as well great my pleasure great thank, talking to you yep thank you so much take care all right that was dr mark blumberg from the university of iowa uh just amazing uh, I, I thought it was I mean, it was a great I, conversation. It I was... didn't know like what I was getting into. Like I was, I felt like I was so over my head, but, uh, no, I think you asked some fantastic questions, Jeremy, you know, like, um, we've always talked about, it. it's never going to be a single thing that helps. Right. right. So it may be robotics. It may be, um, 
epidural stimulation. stimulation. But, be, yeah, there's going to have to be like a combination of different yeah. different technologies for sure. Well, the one thing that I really was excited about when he talked about um, ultrasound, right? Mm-hmm. Stimulating the brain. You know what it reminded me of? What? The tricorder on um, Star Trek. Remember? Bones, the doctor, would come in and he'd like scan it over the patient and go give his analysis and then you go yeah he's going to be fine you know he used that little tricorder to treat the patients and it was I'm like oh i wonder I exactly what you're talking about but oh, you I... have to get back and watch into some star trek of course i'm dating myself here <laughs> but it's really cool you know you'd have this little machine and it would like go off some lights would flash on it and you'd wand it over the guy and he goes oh yeah the guy's gonna be fine but that's what it reminded me of was using ultrasound waves to um you know, not only now they use it, you know, in like um, pre-delivery and um, prenatal care, mm-hmm. but if you can use it to heal, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And he also at the end mentioned that they they have the uh, they're trying to do a study regarding uh, premature babies in the NICU, which you know touched you know kind of close to home with my niece and nephew being they they had been super premature when they were born so yeah i remember um that was interesting um and yeah i mean i'm gonna definitely keep following along with with all of their studies that they're working on between the stroke uh you know the stroke patients and the the premature babies and all these different things i mean it's just it's fascinating really like everything that we were talking about the the just the sleep and how like healing it is and all of that i got him see when i was like oh can you can we uh replicate rem sleep, sleep without yeah. uh having to actually be in rem sleep and he was just like oh it's like that's what we we've been thinking about for a long time i was yeah. like oh yeah let's go so like if you could do that like right after an injury right mm-hmm. right before they even put a knife in you and cut and screw things up right could would that is there a possibility of that happening? Right? right. One of the things I was wondering that you didn't talk to him about was like, um, you know, I've asked you when you dream, what do you dream about? Mm-hmm. Right. What are you? Oh like? yeah. I forgot to, I did have that on my, on my sheet that yeah. to ask him about. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I always dream that I'm walking. Like I yeah. never dream that I'm, and if I am sitting down, it's not like I'm moving sitting down. I'm just kind of, you know, seated yeah. or whatever. And then I'm like, get up and move around. So, yeah. And I wonder if that goes back to the conversation of people that are born or animals that are born without limbs, right? Mm-hmm. They know no different, right? And I wonder if that's why your brain dreams that way. Right. And yeah. he talked about that, that, you know, that he thinks that your body maps out to your brain the body you have, not the body that it, you should have. Or think it should have. Or, yeah, that yeah. it thinks it should have. So, because, you know, he talks about the, the man being able to like pull out a cigarette and light it w- with his feet, you know, and or smoke sh- a cigarette with his feet or shuffle cards. I tried the or shuffling. Shuffle. I tried shuffling the other day. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to so. become a card shark with your feet. Yeah. But so. yeah, I just, I, I thought this was super interesting. It's a little bit of a break from, you know, what we normally do here. Um, but I do want to get into more of these like research uh, studies and and do- like get some more doctors and stuff like that on and the show. Maybe and we can connect a couple of them, right? Yeah, exactly. And come come through with you know maybe a little breakthrough here and there. But, Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that with the advent of AI, some of the robotic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I think 
I think we're close. I think we're close to helping a lot of people. Maybe not a cure, but helping people in a different way. I think you're right. Yeah. I really do. I think we're on to something here. And, uh, man, it's just uh, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm here for it all. So, uh, you know, next week, Ricardo, have a, actually just got done uh, with next week's interview. Um, gentleman named Bobby Rohan, who's like literally the most interesting man in the world he's does everything uh under the sun with uh, as far as uh like he's a peer mentor he's on the triumph foundation board of directors uh he's a live he's on the live to roll podcast he's he does a million different things man and he's uh he's really a, a great guy and uh he's been injured since like 1989 so he's got a He's even got a few years on me, but uh, just a ton, like ton of information. So it's uh, it's going to be a good one. Okay, sounds great. Yeah, so we'll be back next week. Next week's going to be a long. I think I talked to him for like an hour, twenty minutes. Man, we went out. We went out. It might be the the record for the longest uh, podcast yet. So, um, so how do we find more information about our good doctor, though? Oh, I'm going to have it all in the. Uh, in the notes so just check it out yeah and check I'll out have... his notes because he says you can find his papers his yeah studies, uh, and i encourage people to go out there and check it out i'm gonna link you all to his twitter and to his labs twitter and you'll, yeah it should have all of that stuff in there um but yeah and i'll i'll, I'll link the uh, article from the new yorker as well and yeah we'll we'll uh hopefully everybody can go check check out dr blumberg and and the, the studies they're working on over there yeah so keep dreaming absolutely keep dreaming i like you waited a while to say that one too didn't you no no it just came out (laughs) all right well until next week guys i appreciate you all listening please listen like rate share rate and review five stars Uh, are better five stars only thank you uh yep talk to you guys next week all right thank you